And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jeremy and team. The year was 1900. The city was Galveston, Texas. And that year, Galveston was swept. My able colleague, Rich, got me some pictures of the devastation of that storm that devastated Galveston, nearly destroyed the whole city. Soon afterward, the city fathers sought the help of a very prominent and brilliant design engineer. They asked him to design a seawall that could withstand any future storms. This well-known brilliant design engineer was told by the city fathers, safety and not cost should be his paramount concern. By the year 1904, the, the, the wall of Galveston was built. It was a massive barricade of five miles long and 17 feet above the tide. This was the crowning achievement of this particular engineer. He proudly de de declared that the fiercest of any gale or storm would not affect this wall. Fast forward a few years later, while he and his team were involved in a large, massive project in Alaska, he received a telegram from Texas. And the telegram said, the wall that you had built has been destroyed by a gale force wind and a storm. He turned to his associates and he said to them, this is impossible. This is impossible. I have built that wall to withstand any possible severe storm. It must be a mistake. It has to be a mistake. And he was right. Somebody in a panic erroneously sent him the cable telling him that the wall was destroyed. In fact, today that sea wall still stands <laughs> strong as the rock of Gibraltar. And when I became familiar with this story, I, I kind of wondered, at least in my own heart, how many of us who claim to know Jesus and love Jesus, how many of us, we, when we face the storms in life, we panic and begin to think the worst? Uh, I wonder how many of us, the moment we see the storm on the horizon, uh, we surrender to fear and to hopelessness. And yet, God is like this master builder, but far greater, is saying to every one of us, it is impossible for you to drown because I am your rock and shelter. It is impossible for you to drown because I am your hiding place. 
It is impossible for you to perish because you are engraved on the palms of my hands. It is impossible for you to be lost in the flood of life because my grace is sufficient for you, because I am your anchor, I am your rudder, I am your salvation and the stronghold. You cannot possibly be lost. Can I say that? Get an amen. Amen. Well, as I conclude this amazing series of messages that has taken us many, many weeks on the life of this amazing man, David, Um, a man with all of his ups and his downs, and we've been seeing it for the last 16 messages, with all of his ups and downs, he became the human ancestor of the son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose birth we'll be celebrating very soon. A man with all of his failures and frailties, And also with his repentance, he became the human ancestor of the Son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, as we end this series of messages, we're going to end it on a positive and glorious note. We're going to end it uh, on a very high note. Today, we end with a challenge for each one of you, whether you're sitting here in this sanctuary or watching online around the world right now, I'm going to issue a challenge today. If you do not have a sacred song today, you need to develop one for your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. For it is when you develop a sacred song like David, then and only then, No matter how baffling the storms, no matter how frightening the thunder and lightning, no matter how overwhelming the flood, no matter how buffeting the wind and the waves, uh, no matter uh, what happens in life, we are be able to sing this sacred song as David did. David had a sacred song that he always went back to. Do you have one? Do you have one? You need to have one. In 2 Samuel 22, David read it so ably. I want you to turn to it, chapter 22, 2 Samuel 22. Here's what a challenge also I'm going to issue for everyone. When you go home this afternoon, don't leave it too long. This afternoon, take time to read the entire chapter. Not just read it but meditate on it. What a magnificent time to spend on a Sunday afternoon. Meditate on 2 Samuel 22. For this is a messianic prophecy. This is a prophetic chapter uh, regarding the coming of the Son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a forward-looking chapter Uh, to the coming of Jesus Christ. This is a glimpse into uh, the life of the coming Messiah. This is a projection of the future in the present, a thousand years before Jesus was born. As a matter of fact, if you're a very careful reader, and if you read Psalm 18, and then you read 2 Samuel 22, and you put them against each other, you're going to say they are a variation of the same thing. In fact, some scholars have said probably it was the same song and got edited along the way somewhat from one to the other. But I believe this is the original one. <laughs> Psalm 18 may have come out of it, 
but 22 Second Samuel is the original song. The question is, if you do not have a sacred song, you can certainly have one, and you can use this one. <laughs> I often think I can't improve on this one, so that's my sacred song. It will fill you with the sounds of praise when you're down. It will fill you with the sounds of thanksgiving when things look bleak in life. It will fill you with the presence of God in times of trouble. It will fill you with the music of joy uh, when you're sad. It will fill you with the excitement of faith when you feel weak. It will fill you with confidence in your God when you feel inadequate. It will cause others when they look at you, no matter what you've been going through, they're going to see the Shekinah glory of the Lord on your face. They will see the peace of God that does not make sense in your life. Can I get an amen? And every time I think of a storm, I think of a study that I've read many, many years ago, a study that was conducted about how birds react in the rainstorm. Now, I don't know. I'm tempted to say they must have got a federal grant to do that. <laughs> From what I read, federal government funds all sorts of things. They study of fish and study of all kinds of things. I think that must have been one of them. But anyway, regardless of where the money came from, they've, they've conducted the study. And they found that the duck is always indifferent to the rain. It's oblivious to its effect. The chicken, on the other hand, is the most miserable creature when it is raining. It really is the most miserable creature. Ah, but the robin, <laughs> the robin, on the other hand, sings in the rain. In fact, the robin saves its sweetest note to the most raging part of the storm. And so you ask yourself the question, am I a duck, a chicken, or a robin? <laughs> Don't tell me. Keep that as a secret. <laughs> David had a sacred song. What are your sacred song? In Psalm 31, 19, David testifies, the righteous man, and I would say woman, he's talking about not in terms of masculine or feminine. He's talking about a person. The righteous person may have many troubles. How many? But the Lord delivers him from them all. How many? He delivers them from them all. <laughs> David faced some very violent storms in life. <laughs> Some of them of his own making, but many of them were not. Uh, he had nothing to do. We were totally out of his control. From being hunted like a wild animal by King Saul uh, to being thrown out of the palace by his rebellious son Absalom. Uh, from hiding in, in fear and in panic in the land of the enemies, the Philistines, to being put down and humiliated by his wife, Michael. But the one thing that you have to agree with me on, David, the one thing you cannot deny, David, is that he's never lost his sacred song. 
You, beloved friend, may be feeling harassed right now. I don't know. You know, and God knows. You may be feeling pressed on every side. You may be feeling that the walls are closing in. You may be feeling uh, that, 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 that you're in a long, dark tunnel right now. You may be feeling that you are in a prolonged spiritual drought. You may be feeling and experiencing a sense of despair. I want to remind you that David did this, felt this way, way early when he was in his 20s. I just want to remind you, in case you've forgotten. So you're not alone. You're not alone when you feel that way. Listen to what he said. Listen to what he said earlier on the piece, in the piece. He said, it is inevitable, inevitable for me. It is inevitable to die by the hand of Saul. Do you remember that? It is inevitable. I'm going to die, and I'm going to die by the hand of Saul. He was in his 20s at the time. He didn't die. God kept protecting him until he became king and became the most successful king Israel ever had. Reality is that uh, the rock and the shelter was keeping David in the hollow of his hands. The reality is that the shield and the buckler wrapped around him, that nothing would harm him. I tell people this when they're traveling dangerous places and all this stuff. I said, let me tell you something. I am as safe in the war zone when I'm in the will of God than in my bedroom out of the will of God. I am safe until God has, is through with me. Amen? God is infinitely mightier than your problem, and He's watching over you. He is everla His everlasting arms, the Bible said, are underneath. His wings are sheltering you. His eyes are watching over you. His powerful hands are upholding you. His shadow is all over you. His Spirit is within you to empower you and to strengthen you. His wall of fire is about you. His hedge of thorns are surrounding you. His mighty armor has been given to you. We saw how in the times when David did not inquire of the Lord, he made a mess of things. Now, those of you who were not here, go and download the whole thing. Just binge-watching, binge okay? Okay. <laughs> I hear people binge-watch movies, so just binge-watch the whole mess, series of messages. Download them all. Because I'm telling you, we saw again and again when he did not inquire of the Lord, when he did not go to the Lord for answers, <laughs> he made a mess of things. Oh, but in the midst of all this, the one thing about this man, David, <laughs> the one thing about this man whom, of whom God said his heart is after mine, the one thing is that deep down in his life, he has one longing, and that is to please the Lord. And the God who sees in the depth of your heart and the sees in the depth of your mind and sees in the secrets of your life is the one who will honor you for that desire. 
And because of that desire in David's life, God's hand upheld him again and again and again and again. You see it clearly here in this sacred song. 2 Samuel 22. The one thing you notice about this sacred song and in that sacred song, David never, 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 and in all his life, try to give the credit to himself. Not one time. Not for anything that's been accomplished. Never, never took credit for it. Well, I always love to get the credit. Right? He, he didn't. You never hear him saying, well, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> Hello. He doesn't take credit for the strategies that he implemented. He doesn't take credit for his brilliant mind. He didn't take credit for his perseverance. He didn't take credit for his strength. No, 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 no. He gave all the credit where? Verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. In verses 2 and 3, the personal pronoun is repeated nine times. How many of this? I know I flunked math, but I think that's nine. Nine times. My, 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 my. Which really reminded me of many years ago, I was having a debate with a leader. I'm talking about this man is a leader in a mainline denominations, and, and, and he was kind of angrily looked at me and he said, you talk about Jesus as my personal Savior and my personal Lord and, and my personal this and my personal that, as if you're talking about my personal car or my personal house or my personal possessions. The idea was to him that God is just not a personal God. And salvation is not a personal salvation. Because he believed everybody's going to make it in the end. The very sad part was that this man could not call God my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Why? Because he had never experienced a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the sad part. But those of you who know Jesus as your personal Savior will testify to the fact that God is a personal God. And God does not look at us and see a big masses of people. He sees us individually. He knows us individually. He knows us by name. He knows us by person. He knows our temperament. He knows our personalities. And he deals with us differently from dealing with each other. It is true. The inexplicable joy is in the experiencing the rock and the fortress and the redeemer. To be so personal, especially when we're facing insurmountable difficulties. The image of the rock and the fortress, of course, was, comes from David's first-hand experience from the physical realm. You remember how he dwelt in the crags and the mountains to escape the malice of Saul. He experienced these places when it concealed him from certain death. Places of hiding, 
places of protections, places of security. (laughs) And then here he compares all of these places that he experienced physically for hiding and protection and security, but he compares them to spiritually, how God does that to us. He compares these with the spiritual places of God's protection, of God's defenses of us. Listen to me. We all need to understand whether we know it or not. It doesn't matter. You've got to understand that only God is a shelter from the slanderous tongues of others, that God is your only rock from the storm of criticism and rejection, that only God is the hiding place from the various attacks by those who hate us. Only God is the shelter from the heat of malice. Only God is your fortress from the fiery darts of the enemies. Uh, Only God is your strength and your empowerer in the times of temptation. Can I get a witness? God is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. When young David showed up, you remember, early, early, early on, he shows up to bring some food to his older brothers who rebuked him and criticized him, put him down, and he was bringing him food. You remember, he saw Goliath mocking the people of God. And the people of God were shivering in their sandals, including King Saul. You remember David stood on the rock of ages and defeated Goliath. Let me tell you something. Goliath has no power over you unless you give him that power, unless you open the door for him to come in. David with all of his failures, David with all of his faults, David with all of his frailties, David with all of his weaknesses, David with all of his impulses, is the same David who delivered his people, God's people, by God's mighty hand. It's the same David who believed that his God is the only one true God. The same David who believed and acted on that belief that his God is in control of all circumstances. This is the same David who believed and acted on that belief that his God can open a highway in the midst of the Red Sea. And that is why David had a sacred song. Do you have a sacred song? If you don't, you develop one today. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. (laughs) Beloved, listen to me. Listen to me. God only knows I stand here Sunday after Sunday. I open my heart to you, and I I don't preach at you. I preach at me before I preach at you. But just listen to me. Listen to me. In 54 years of walking with the Lord, with all the ups and downs in my life, I want to testify that God never, never, never fails those who truly exercise faith on the front end. Can I get an amen? You see, it's easy to exercise faith in the back end. Oh, 
2020, we say, you know, hindsight 2020. Yeah, well, right. You see, it's good to, it, it, it's fine. Listen, God honors all faith. Don't let me discourage you. <laughs> but I believe with all my heart, and it's the scripture that God is honored and God honors when faith is exercised at the front end. I've heard people through the years say, oh, when my ships come to port, I will do thus and thus. <laughs> but they never send any ships out. <laughs> Hello. They have been waiting for the harvest, but they've never sowed seeds. And they said, oh, my harvest comes, I will give. That doesn't take faith. Faith is you throw the seed and you sow it generously, trusting the God of the harvest. God is honored when faith is exercised at the front end, not at the back end. And God honors that faith. As our rock... Here's what David is saying. As our rock, <laughs> he will uphold and support those who build their hopes on him and on his word. Uh, he will steady you in the time of the earthquakes. He will keep you together when the storms threaten to blow you away. He will make you immovable when the wind is blowing so severely. He will stick to you. When others leave you, he will keep you firm in the face of thunder and lightning, just as your rock. But our fortress, he says, he will give you shelter from your assails, assailants. He will blunt the attack of the enemy's spear. He will bear the brunt of the enemy's pounding on you. He will hide you from the enemy's hands. He will hold you together. When everybody else is falling apart. What is that? How many? The, the rock, the fortress, what else got left on that verse? Come on, don't look in the Bible. Tell, tell me. Yeah, you're a deliverer. God bless you. A couple of you are very alert. As our deliverer, God saves us from ourselves. <laughs> How many times did God save David from himself? I'm going to ask the question, how many times God saved me from myself? There are too many times to number. But I do remember them. I cannot count that high. He is your deliverer. He redeems us from the raging power of sin. He rescues us from the rolling lion. He saves us from the second death. So the question is this, do you have a sacred song? Do you have a sacred song? If you don't, you will do well to use this one. Verse 3. I'm looking at your faces. Some of you are panicking. He says it's only in verse 3. How many verses are there in the chapter? I can see the shock on your face. That's okay. Relax. Relax, I'm, uh, I'm only scratching the surface. <laughs> Verse 3. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. 
He is my stronghold, my refuge, my Savior from the violent men. He saves me. Question. What is David doing here? What was he doing? You just saw verse 2, and you come in verse 3. You say, what is David doing? And that's why I'm not covering the whole chapter, because I'll tell you what he's doing. He's piling up the metaphors. He's piling them up. He's, he really is piling them up, as if to say, if you slow like Michael Yusuf, and you didn't get the first one, I'm going to give you a second one. <laughs> as if, if you're slow and you cannot catch on uh, to the previous descriptions of our God in verse 2, let me repeat them for you in a different way. <laughs> um, if you cannot get this whole idea of the rock and the fortress and the deliverer, <laughs> uh, David hopes that you will understand the part about the shield, the horn of salvation, and the high tower. As if to say, if you're really dull of mind, if you're really dull of spirit, if you're dull of heart and you cannot get this, let me explanify it for you. <laughs> if you cannot comprehend the rock, the fortress, and the deliverer part, I hope you'll understand the shield, the horn of salvation, and the high tower. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> David, with all of his blemishes, listen carefully, David, with all of his blemishes, saw his God as the God who's sufficient to meet your every need, sufficient to meet you in all circumstances of life. Sufficient to meet every emergency that may come your way. That He is sufficient to meet all of the unexpected in life. He is sufficient to meet all of your desperations in life. He is sufficient no matter how grim the prospect may be, no matter how numerous or powerful the enemy may be. I'm getting ready to shout because... We have in the New Testament what David did not have. He longed for it. He prophesied about it. He talked about it coming, but he never seen it with his own eyes. He saw it like Abraham with the eyes of faith. You know that Jesus said, Abraham longed to see my day? David longed to see the day that we having, that we take for granted that we think the mark of spirituality is to come to church 10 minutes late and leave 10 minutes early. David, who prophesied about the coming of Jesus, whom we take for granted, we have him. We have Jesus, the son of David, the one and only revelation of God, Jesus, the conqueror of sin, Jesus, the vanquisher of death, Jesus, the master of salvation. Jesus, the Lord of the universe. Jesus, the authority over diseases and sickness. That's my Jesus. My Jesus is the defender of the weak. My Jesus is the power over fear. My Jesus is the master of the storms. My Jesus is the provider of all your needs. That is why 
He's your shield. He's your shield. As my shield, he wards off the enemy's attack. As my shield, who stands interposed between me and the enemy of my soul. Oh, but as the horn, the word means strength, really. That's what it means is the strength of my salvation. The horn is always a symbol of power, strength. He is the strength of my salvation, meaning that he is the guarantor of my salvation. And some people, when they tell me a believer, a real believer, wandered away, I said, don't worry about it. God is going to be dragging him by the back of the neck. He will. <laughs> he did it with me. He's the high tower, the citadel, that place that is high above and beyond the enemy's reach. He is my Savior who gave me salvation, free, free, free gift of God. And that is why in verse 4, David said, I call to the Lord who is the worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemy. I hope to be saved from my enemy. I wish to be saved from my enemy. No. I may be saved from my enemy. No. I am saved from my enemy. That is, I am saved in the past, the present, and the future. Listen to me. I'm getting close to the end because what I'm going to say to you, I may be stepping on a lot of toes, but praise God anyway. Listen carefully. This is the problem of American Christianity. It really is. And unless and until we get over it, we're not going to see victory, we're not going to see a revival. There are so many believers who are forever, forever living in fear. And they always say, Satan is attacking me. Satan is attacking me. I'm being attacked. I'm afraid Satan's going to attack me. Listen to me. We need to attack him. We need to get into his territories. We need to get those who are enslaved by him to be set free, to come to know the Savior, the only Savior. We have a Savior who can save from all their sins. And we're keeping it a secret. And we keep our mouth shut. As I said, we come late and leave early, and we think that we're great spiritual giants. Beloved, let me tell you something. It breaks my heart in two. This is not something I'm preaching at you. This is something I daily live with. I daily live with. It breaks my heart. We have been living on the defensive for so long. We have not known the excitement and the thrill of going on the offensive. We have lost the vision of being soldiers of the cross. We have ceased to be the mighty army of the living God. We're like the Israelites living in fear of Goliath when Goliath's already been defeated. In fact, there was a song that we used to sing a lot in this church in the early days. And really is based on this verse, based on 1 Samuel 22. I will call upon the Lord 
who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. You know that one? Stand up and sing it with me. Stand up and sing it with me. Before I turn it over to the amateurs, let's sing this, okay? <laughs> sing it with me. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. The Lord liveth. And blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. Bless the Lord. May your name be ever be exalted, Lord, in this place. May everyone at the sound of my voice develop this sacred song and go out and invade the enemy's territories and not sit passively waiting for the enemy's attack. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your power will come upon this, your congregation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Thank you, guys.